With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The first overall selection in the 2018 NHL Draft belongs to the Buffalo Sabres. Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews up defensemen. What we saw in those couple of drafts before, this is a generational talent on the blue line. Rasmus Dahlin's size at six foot two, he's 183 pounds already. His poise with the puck, his agility to work himself out of tight spaces is unbelievable. And Dahlin takes the pass from Branstrom. Oh, oh, what a move by Dahlin, and another. Rasmus Dahlin walks in, slides up towards the goal and put it wide. Okay, that's what I came to see. I can't say we're going to beat him, but we needed something to happen. And so I see that he gets the puck down low. He just started moving the puck further and further. He just kept on skating and skating and skating. And all of a sudden he was like open. Oh, it's a good I couldn't believe it. No one could believe it. He played with them like it was uh, safe. That goal, I got the blackout. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 67 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didemenesis. I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey. And Chad, I think we're going to have a little bit different... um... How, how should I say it? Uh, it's just me a little more upbeatness to this podcast. I yes, think. a little bit of a different vibe. You know, it's um, <laughs> we kind of talked about this last week, and it was like, you know, I mean, you know, if we win, but I mean, come on, you know, we're gonna end up with <laughs> like a two or three or four, and I don't know, man, it, it it's it, it's crazy. Here we are, like, still doesn't feel real. It doesn't. It really doesn't. I mean, I, like, I mean, I was talking to you before this, obviously, and, you know, I was going through Cap Friendly, you know, getting ready for the podcast, and it just, it felt so, I don't know, when you're a younger kid playing NHL 2004, your team sucks, so you just, you know, you create yourself 99 overall, plop them into the team, now team's fixed. I mean, it has that kind of feel to it, right. basically. I mean, just because the ball's bounced your way, now the Sabres are getting... Just an unbelievable player. You just pluck him right into the team, three-year entry-level contract, and away we go. Now you fix the rest of the team, and and I think you're going to have a, a totally different feel to the season going into the next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, as much as I – I, I got to say, I, I hate the way they did it. 
Um, you know, splitting it up the four through fifteen and the you know the one two three. Um, it's the longest two hours of my life. Uh, that was the longest period on earth. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no fights in hockey games, and they have like seven in that in that period. And then there's like near the end, there's a goal, there's a challenge for a goal interference. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't know. But it was you know, even when they got top three, we kind of texted about it. I was like, hey, I'm happy. Top three, I'll take it. I'm either getting Deline and I'm getting super lucky. Or I'm going to get a winger for Eichel. Like, you know, right. that's kind of really what you hope for. You hope to be, I, mean, I think you said it before we even end the last podcast. You said, hope for a top three, right? And I said, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, because so, I mean, I think, I think once you get to, I, I honestly, I really think the most tense moment for me was number four. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, it's down to you in Ottawa. And basically, I mean, I know the numbers aren't 50 50, but it's 50 50. It's going to be one of those two teams. And, just the the feeling of waiting for that card to turn. And then as soon as it wasn't Buffalo, I kind of felt like all the pressure came off because you knew you were top three like we talked about. You knew you were at least getting one of the wingers or you were getting super lucky and, you know, getting Darlene, which which amazingly happened. Um, but I, I really thought it was kind of just – I mean, you won at that point because obviously right. you, you're one of the top three. So yep. it was kind of gravy at that point that we <laughs> – thank God we didn't have to talk about – the number four pick for two months because that might have driven us crazy. Oh, um, can you imagine the fights and the battles we're having over who to pick a four? Uh, <laughs> the great thing is we don't have to. <laughs> I know. I know. Kind of like for me, I look forward to the draft times. I look forward to going through these players, and now I'm like, I know. I don't know. Really I, don't. I still should kind of do that, but like, I don't really I, I mean, have I, to. I will say the the most important pick, at least the the not easy pick that's going to be the most important is really going to be. That first pick of the second round. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to hit on that one um, because obviously the first one's easy. So all focus should be on that that pick, the first pick in the second round, or, or maybe even trying to get back up into the first to get another, you know, top guy. Um, and there's there's you've got room to do something now, which I think is is what this does for you. It, it's it's that thing we've been talking about for a long time. Is you got your guys like Risto and, and Bogo when he's healthy and and McCabe when he's healthy, and you got the young kids coming up, and Nelson and Gooley, putting Darlene into this lineup basically just puts everyone where they're supposed to be, which exactly. is the thing that we've been struggling with for so long, yeah. is that all these players have been playing, not necessarily out of position, but you know, not playing to the where they, they should be skill-wise, and that's kind of where the struggles lie. And, and this kind of does that for you, at least on the defense, where it pushes everything down, and then it gives you a surplus too, which we'll get into a little bit, but... Um, I mean, it's just, it's such, I don't know, Christmas in May. Uh, it's just or April of the time, but it's just, it is really just a gift uh, for us, for every all the fans, for the Buffalo Sabres to win this lottery. And now I think it really, I mean, Botterill can say he's going to do what he was going to do anyways, because obviously the team needed to be overhauled, but I really think it does change your entire offseason. Oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, it's... I mean, it's weird for us here in Buffalo. We don't know how to handle winning. We don't win a lot here, you know. <laughs> I mean, it must be lotteries. So, I mean, this city was the most jubilant I think I've ever seen it since. Honestly, probably since they lost that game to Columbus and clinched one or two to get Eichel McDavid. For Eichel, yeah. yeah. Like, the, like that's the most jubilant like, I've seen the city ever. You know, and you know, unfortunately for me, you know, <laughs> you had that good tweet that you put off on Beyond the Blade. That was pretty good. I give you credit for that. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I, I definitely... as, as the card flipped to Buffalo. I went to grab my phone, looked up, and, like, my iPhone was spinning. Like, you know, like, your battery's dead. And 
literally as it they flipped the card and and I was at a bar and I didn't have a charger and so I missed the hour and a half to two hours of Twitter fun that everybody was having. Honestly, it's <laughs> I can't even tell you how much fun I had that night on Twitter. Uh, it's it's been a long time. Um, obviously, as most people can tell, if you follow the the obviously it's just a podcast. Um, I don't even know what you call it. Twitter, Twitter page. page, yeah. yeah. But uh, I I mean, it's just the way the season has gone. We haven't even been on much. Uh, but yeah, that was just easily the most fun I've had in a long time on Twitter because it was just, it was finally a celebration before all the nut houses came out in the next couple hours of <laughs> what can we get for the first pick? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, it's just, and to combat that, I just real quick, I obviously everybody's watching everything they can now on that lean because I don't really think like, it wasn't like the Eichel McDavid year where you knew you were getting one of the two. So everybody was kind of watching those two guys throughout the right, entire season. Right. Yep. I mean, you had a, a, a chance at four picks, it's, and not not even four guys, because four would have been all over the board. So I think nobody even really kind of got themselves into that mindset until the lottery was done. So, of course, everyone's now going right to everything. And, and the things that stuck out to me was that Sportsnet, where the one coach said that he, d- he didn't think it was fair to be compared to Eric Carlson and Lindstrom, but... At his age, Rasmus right now, Eric Carlson isn't on his level, and Nick Lindstrom wasn't on his level. Like yeah. that is just mind blowing. Yeah, even Lindstrom said that. Lindstrom said he was a better hockey player than I was at 18 years old. I mean, it, I just can you do anything but smile? <laughs> exactly. Fans like that guy is that guy is on our team. Yeah, for a long time, a long time. And even the the um, interview with the coach on GR this week, it just I think everything surprised me. It just in the respects of how there's kind of no weakness. Like everybody talks about his skill, his speed, his skating, his passing. Like, yeah, you can work on a shot a little bit, but, and then they ask the coach what his favorite thing is. And he goes, his personality is drive to win. And it's just like, can this, can this guy do anything wrong? And I mean, I guess too, if you watch some of his tape and some of his video is you don't keep your head up coming across a blue line. He, he's going to lay a hit on you. I mean, he's I think it was dropped some big hits in Sweden. Ray Ferraro. It was somebody that said this, he doesn't hit much, but as soon as he gets to 200 pounds, he can lay the body out, and he's going to start getting people with some nice open icers yep. uh, as he gets older. So, I mean, it's just – it really feels like the absolute complete package, franchise, number one defenseman, just toss him on your blue line for basically nothing. Yeah, I mean, you and heard it, the intro that we did. You know, the intro we did, you know, we didn't have our normal one. We had some quotes and some video clips in there, and you know, one of the things you heard from, you know, the Sportsnet TSN guys was, you know – how they equate him is to McDavid or Matthews on the blue line. If this kid was from Canada, that's what it would be like. Mm-hmm. If he was Canadian, that's what it'd be like. Right. But he's over in Sweden. We don't see him that much with the world juniors and we're like, oh look at this shiny car and then goes back to Sweden again. But if he was playing in Canada, like in juniors, this this would be a much, much, much bigger story, much I gotta say much more blown up than it already was. Which is fine. Because I mean, he'll be the huge story, you know, next year when he blows up for the rest of his career. And I I really think it's just, I mean, even thinking about how they're talking about, um, what was he, 16 when he joined for Lunda? Yeah, 16 when he was on the team, yep. He he basically just showed up and they, they, you said, what, it was the first first minute in practice he did something crazy. Yeah. They're just basically like, we need to put him on the team. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, I mean, if he's doing that, and those are, you know, the Swedish league that's you know men it's not it's not kids so for him to come in at, at 16 and do that and now he just turned 18 so you're gonna get him at 18 for the entire year 
it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be at a loss for words for a lot uh, <laughs> when talking about him at this point because it's just the whole thing is incredible. The the kid, the win of the lottery, the what it means for the team. It's just a complete 180 um, from how we were even three weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. So we're about 12 minutes in here. So quickly, um, you know, we're going to obviously touch on Darlene. Uh, we're going to touch on Nelson's new contract. Actually, we're probably going to get to that right here uh, until I get back into it. And then we're kind of going to talk about Darlene, kind of the impact on the roster. Because, I mean, that, that's kind of the next thing here. You know, you win right. the lottery, you got him, he's on your team. Now what? You know, I wrote a little bit about that earlier this week. Uh, and then at the end here, we're going to talk about uh, Russ Brandon being or resigning. And then, um, you know, there's some questions on Twitter we got about Reinhardt's contract, finding a winger for Eichel, which kind of is all what we're going to get into right here now. I mean, I think, you know, we kind of talked about our excitement, and it's awesome. You know, it's a good play on our team, but now it's it, it's it's what now? You know, it, it changes a lot. You know, and this kind of brings Nelson into the picture. He has a great contract, two years, uh, 812500 per season, which is a great contract. I didn't think they are going to get him under a million, so, you know, Stick tap to bottle for getting that done, but I mean, when you count Pilot, who's coming from Sweden, it, it, we're at nine defensemen now, right? Under yep. contract, basically. We are. You got Scandella, Dalin, Bolu, Ristolainen, and McKay, Bogo, Gouli, Nelson, and then Pilot. That's nine guys, and uh, nine's a bunch. Yeah. So I think you kind of get to who's on the way out here, and. I mean, for me, what I kind of did here is, and it doesn't have to be this way because I know we talked about uh, contracts obviously can change this, but Scandell was traded for. Dalene, obviously, number one overall pick. You're not moving him. Um, Beaulieu, traded for. Risto isn't a bottle guy. He can give you the highest value, but I wonder... uh, He's the most interesting, so I'm going to circle back to Risto. Okay. McCabe, who a lot of people forget about because of the injury. Yep. Um, is interesting, and I think he has one year left too, right? He does. Then he's an, but he's so. an RFA. He's an RFA. After he's that. an RFA, right? Bogo, obviously, everyone knows about him and his injury history. Uh, Gouli, who I mean, he he just fits the system, so I can't see really Gouli moving. Uh, no. I would see him moving up into right. the lineup. Yep. Nelson, obviously, you just signed, so I mean, it really leaves you with McKay Bogosian, pilot who just got signed too. Right, and we talked about that last week or actually right when we won the lottery because we were talking about who would fit into the lineup and i don't necessarily i mean it doesn't have to be this way but what i said to you is i don't necessarily know that pilot signs this deal if he's not guaranteed some nhl time right exactly i mean he's 21 22 years old just one defenseman of the year in the swedish league so i mean how do you kind of keep that out of your lineup so yeah i mean there's just it's a, it's a bunch. It's it's a bunch to talk about, and there's somebody's got to go pretty much. Yeah, it, it really it's for me. I mean, unless they buy out Bergogian or find somebody to take them for next to nothing, um, I, I think it primarily comes on to two guys, and that's McCabe and Ristolainen. And Ristolainen's one who gives you the most amount of value there. But I mean, it, it it's always tough for Ristolainen for me because one side of my mouth, I want to be like. I don't know. He gives me value. I need forwards. I got to make a hockey move. He's got to go. And the other part of me is, well, he's a good defenseman. I know I have Darlene, but I need a lot of good defensemen to be good. So why am I trying to give Ristolainen away? He could slide in maybe into a second pair role now, take some time off. Maybe it makes him better, more offensive, not so tired all the time. 
and let's try to keep him. So, but it, it's hard because you have to. And again, we're maybe get down a little bit down the road here. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you got to improve your forward somehow. And I mean, there's only so many guys in this team that give you value that you'll be able to do it. And he's one of the guys that that's what makes it hard because you're definitely not getting as much from McCabe. Like if you're making a hockey trade with McCabe, you're getting like a bottom six forward, which you need, but it's nothing that's going to, you know, drive the points up for you really. Right. I mean, like you said, it's, it's either you find somebody to basically dump a Gojian who, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, we've, we've seen the impossible already (laughs) moving, moving guys like, you know, Clarkson and Datsuk not even playing anymore and moving those contracts. So Finoff got traded it, twice. Right. It's, it's definitely not impossible. And I, and I think the thing that stinks is I think Bogosian really can fit really well in the system and play well, but he's just so unreliable. I mean, how long, how much longer can you wait around for him? Right. He's not a Bottero guy. So it's, I like, I like him a lot, but I just, I don't, I don't know. Basically it comes to, I mean, how much can you wait around? So right. it comes I don't know, man. Risto is the, is the toughest because I guess for me, for Risto, what it comes down to is the value in respects of what are we talking? What's the return here? Because there was talk from the TSN guys that Risto could fetch quite a lot for you. But what is that quite a lot? Is that, am I getting Mike Hoffman? Right. <laughs> am I getting Alex Galchenyuk? And now I, yes, I know those are inside the division. So those are less likely, but am I getting somebody like that? that can fit the role of somebody who desperately been missing for Eichel or, I mean, is Edmonton calling me with like the 10 number 10 pick? If that's the case, I kind of think I hang on to Risto for at least a year. And he's got four left. Um, because so the other thing I struggle with is this, is that Risto lines playing, obviously probably the toughest minutes in the NHL. You're, uh, probably a, top tier second pair defenseman who plays 25 to 30 minutes a night against the best players in the NHL. And he on the worst team in hockey. on the worst team in hockey. So he's been okay. Uh, but I think if you slot him into the number two, now you've taken a defense that's been pretty, pretty bad for a couple of years. Right. And now it's looking pretty good. But on the other hand, it's like you said, I mean, how, how else are you getting that, that top tier, forward because this team cannot score they had the the least goals for in the league last year they the year before when Ike was out long term they scored two goals or less for an entire month um you just you need some scoring and i mean it can start with the back end obviously Dallin's Dallin is going to help you with that um bringing Gooley up is going to help with that you're going to get in guys that can move the puck now that can actually skate carry the puck themselves from the back end um it's tough it is tough yeah, I mean, there's only fun. yeah, I mean, there's only three guys really on this team that give you value, and that, that are tradable. That are tradable, and it's Ristolainen's one, uh, Ryan O'Reilly's the other one, and the third guy, is Sam Reinhardt. But now with winning the winning the lottery, I think that kind of changes things from Reinhardt's perspective because you need wingers. You're not going to use your one good winger that you have to go get another winger, you know. So I, I Reinhardt staying here. I mean. We kind of talked about it a little before the podcast, and we had a question. I mean, I think they'll go a bridge deal, and you know, I, I think for me, I think it's around three years, four and a half. I mean, that makes sense for me. I mean, you pulled some comparables up here to Foley's four point six, Gutchinex four point nine. Both I think are three year contracts. So, 
I, I can't see him getting more than Toffoli, to be honest. I guess it wouldn't shock me, but I, I think four and a half, three years is, is a pretty good deal for Reinhardt. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things with Reinhardt, and the first thing is he had really good year at the end of the year, and so the contract that you're going to get for Reinhardt, I think it's kind of, as weird as it sounds, it's kind of why you don't move him. I, I think that, like you said, you need wingers. You got rid of Kane so that basically you could sign Reinhardt and because yep. you had all those other guys, like Oposo and O'Reilly with the big contracts. So I, I think it really comes down to if you're getting Reinhardt for you know three years, four and a half, I just don't see how you kind of move that at this point. Because, I mean, you just you, – you literally have no wingers. I mean, Pominville's getting slow. Oposo at least came out at the end of the season. But you, besides – I mean, because I wouldn't even call Pominville a top six winger. No, he's, he's, I, I think he's a fourth liner next year, if not even an extra. So now that Kane's gone, if you get rid of Reinhardt, you have literally Oposo as your only top six winger. Yeah. Like true. And I don't. And I, there's probably an argument to make that he's not a true, at least uh, with what happened last year. No, I, and I think he's I, a two or three at best. So I, you literally just don't, you have nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I... I I just I, I don't think you can move Reinhardt at this point. Like I said, I think moving Kane kind of solidified the fact that Reinhardt doesn't go. So it really is coming down to you're moving somebody on the defense, and then are you moving it to go get a winger, or are you moving it just to basically dump like a Bogosian so you have eight guys, and then, I mean, what are you doing? Are you hoping that a lot of these guys come up? Like, you know, C.J. Smith, Olsen, Bailey Baptiste, we talk about them for three years now. Right. Um, somebody's got to make the jump. Or, I mean, do we like the free agency? Do you? It's. Yeah. This is where it gets tricky. Yeah, I mean, if you're going after, you know, I guess we can. You know, this is the other part of the Dalin deal. You know, it's right. your defense has been covered, so now your number one priority. I mean, well, I wouldn't say covered. You can still do some work there, but your new number one priority that you have Dalin in your team is you got to fix your forwards. Like you got to do it. You, that 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 becomes a priority. You got to get it done. And as you said, there's no ringers besides Reinhardt. I mean, Oposo, realistically, I, I think he's a really good third line winger. Can play second line minutes for you. Uh, and then beyond that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't put the faith in Baptiste and Bailey. I've been burned for two years now on that. I think at best they're going to be bottom six forwards for you. C.J. Smith, we don't know what he's going to be at the NHL level. And then Nylander is. Pfft, who knows what's going on there, you know? And mm-hmm. Olofsson, I think, is a bottom six guy for you day and, you know, every day of the week. Even when he's NHL ready, I don't think he's a top six guy. So there's an absolute need. And if you want to go to free agency, fine. Uh, but you're going to pay a chunk, you know. You're going to pay a chunk to go run down Van Riemsdyk or go run down a guy like James Neal. And but, the problem is if you pay that contract and it turns out to be another Oposo, Bolson, Leno in two yeah, years. Yeah. Now you're stuck with that contract. Yep, exactly. So I mean, free agency is just, it's so tough to be the way to go to go get one of those top guys because you have to pay so much. And now, you know, two, three years, hopefully three, four years down the road, yeah. now you're stuck with the rest of that contract and you got to figure that out. And it puts you in the trouble you're kind of in right now. And so I really don't know if free agency is the way to go. I mean, I know we've talked a lot. Uh, with Botterill, you know, building the farm system, bringing up the kids. So I'm really hoping, because I know I talked about this a lot at the beginning of last year, that this is the year that I think your t- your bottom six can be completely overhauled and much better 
just by bringing the guys up that we talked about. Yeah, no, I agree. And then even if you just you add a small piece, you know, there's, I guess it kind of depends what you do with O'Reilly if he's here or not. But the guy I've always I've been clamoring for is you know is Derek Ryan from Carolina. He can be a third line center. He can, he has good possession numbers. He scores fifteen to twenty goals a season. Uh, you know he's he can win faceoffs for you. He's good defensively. He can kill penalties. But I mean you're gonna have to go get a guy like that. You know maybe you make a trade too. Maybe you go get another type of Scott Wilson. Uh, I mean watching these playoffs now. I mean and that's that's the thing that jumps out to me the most. I mean. The goal by Sorensen yesterday for San Jose, he's their fourth-line winger, and he has those moves. While the Sabres uh-huh. have Jordan Nolan going up and down the main in the fourth line. I mean, they're just they're not even in the game with these type of players. I mean, say what you want about Tom Wilson. I mean, he's he's a he's not the cleanest player, but he's he's a good hockey player in their fourth line. You know, the Burkowski is another good hockey player in their fourth line. I mean, Pittsburgh is as deep as they come. Winnipeg's as deep as they come. Tampa Bay is winning their series against Boston when Stamkos and Kucherov have a combined one point through three games or four games. So it's, you know, I mean, it, you got to have depth in this league. And that's, that's a big thing that we can't forget about. Yeah, you need defense help. you got to get a top six forward. But also fixing that bottom six is really, really important for your long-term growth. Because, yeah, you need your big guns, but your bottom of the roster really drives your team in today's NHL. And I really wonder, getting a guy like Darlene can kind of, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to put too much on him, obviously. I got to, you know, remember he's 18, but right, right. I, I, he's still going to be fantastic in his first year. But guys like him can cover for, you know, having a, a bottom six of, say, I don't know, Smith, Larson, Bailey, Rodriguez, Baptiste, and enter somebody else, Malone yeah, or Olofsson. Having a young, you know, bottom six like that, yeah, they're going to have their moments. But kind of when you have a guy that can carry the puck, carry the play, you know, have high coursing numbers, high possession numbers, it kind of covers for you know little struggles that the bottom six have. Where I think it's why they kind of played guys like Nolan, who obviously he's not giving you much, but I mean he's going to run around, he's going to hit people. He's your your old school bottom six, right? problem is he gets somehow got a breakaway at night and then put it five feet into the stands <laughs> so i i mean you gotta you gotta find guys that are gonna you know score um and i mean really besides bringing up those guys yeah i mean he did well with scott or yeah scott wilson so i mean maybe he finds another guy or two like that like you were talking about and then obviously you can try and make some one-for-ones maybe you move a gergensons or a larson for I don't know somebody uh, on one for one trade like we were talking in the past like a what was a Gergens Duclair obviously that's not happening but right. a, a trade like that yep um, I mean basically you go get somebody else's kind of Gergensons and hope you flip them and it works out for both kind of teams pretty much yeah Eddie got Middlestad this year so that's gonna yeah, help too definitely don't forget about him <laughs> yeah that'll <laughs> that'll help a lot and that's one of the reasons you know before the football I mean you topic. could go ahead yeah you could you could move him to top six wing. You could if you bring another center. You could, although I think long term they'd like him to be a center, and he proved he could play center. But I mean, if he's your, if you're keeping O'Reilly, that's one of the reasons why I want to keep O'Reilly. I was going to say, if you're keeping O'Reilly here, your one is Eichel, your two is O'Reilly, and then you have Middlestat as a third line center in a protected role. You know, I mean, if you mm-hmm. give me a third line of Middlestat, I don't know, Middlestat, C.J. Smith, and a post. Or a Pommelville or a Postal, one of those two. 
yeah. it's not a bad third line. No. Know? I mean, I'll take that. And, I mean, you could even make Middlesat your second line guy if you want and make O'Reilly your third line. He's going to give me points, but he's also going to be my matchup guy. You know, he's going to play against the team's best line every single night. That kind of thing. Yeah, I, so, I, you know, I really see kind of lines two through four. I mean, obviously they're going to have a number, but they're kind of just going to be, you know, there's Eichel's line and then there's the other three. Right. And then whoever is playing better that night is the, t- the line that's going to get the more minutes. Yep. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know that. I mean, obviously it's easier, right. It's, it's easier for us, obviously to top, you know, top six, bottom six, talk that, but I really think you basically, you know, you have Jack's line, then you got the, the other three that you got to kind of figure out. Um, cause I mean, most nights O'Reilly probably will be seen as the two. Um, but if Middlestead's rolling, yeah. I, I mean, I could easily see him getting more minutes than O'Reilly in a, in a night. Yeah, no. So I, it's it's basically just it's finding that supporting cast now, and I, the thing I, I mean, I, obviously I know how these last three years have gone, so it, it shouldn't blow my mind, but it does that we're still talking about finding Jack a winger. Like it's I know, I know. it's crazy that yep. you just haven't found anybody to fit that. And I get he's elite talent, but geez, I mean they have one guy in Reinhardt who's proven he can play there, but he really just never does. But even so, if you have Reinhardt, you need somebody else in the left. They've never found him a left winger, you could say. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kane for a while. Right one, but yeah, they had Kane for a little bit, but even that kind of got broken up. And which brings me to a point that we definitely don't have to discuss today. But I mean, this is kind of the the beginning of the Housley era where stuff needs to be figured out, and no more, no more, you know, fooling around. First year coach, you got the number one overall pick. He's literally right in your wheelhouse of what you needed to play uh, the system you wanted to play on your defense. So. I mean, you better fix that power play and <laughs> stop messing around with, you know, Jack and Reinhardt and, and Casey and just let these guys go. Let them play. Yeah. Uh, because if he's dicking around, I don't know how much time, you know, I don't want to say he's going to have a short leash, but if this team struggles out, out of the gate, I, I think there's going to start to be talk. I'm not so, going to say he's gone. Yeah, even halfway through the season. I mean, if – I mean, again, this would be one of the, you know, impacts of Darlene is – you know, if he if Dalene kind of struggles out the gate, or maybe doesn't have the kind of year people were thinking he would have, I don't know. I think it's going to look bad on my coach, who's supposed to really help defensemen, and now we're in year two, and he's not really helping my defensemen. That that, that I think that kind of this kind of puts more pressure on Housley, especially being a defenseman. That you have a defenseman with this much talent, and then you're coaching on top of it. He should no reason he shouldn't excel in the system or under Housley. I mean that's. For me, that that's how I'm gonna look at it, you know. And it, I think it puts more pressure on Housley, which I'm okay with. Uh-huh. You know, I, I gave him a pass year one because the team was brutal. There were some things I didn't like that he did, uh, but you know, I really couldn't judge the system he wanted to play because he didn't have the players for it. But I think next year, I mean, again, depending on what Botterill does and how the roster looks opening night. But sitting here today in the beginning of May, knowing that Rasmus Dahlin's gonna be on my team. I don't know, the excuse is starting, it's going to kind of start to go out the window here. Like, I'm going to need to see some results. And I'm not saying it to be a playoff team, but come January, you can't be kicking around the bottom of the league again. Like, that, right. that's not going to work for me. Or a lot of fans in this city. Yeah, and I mean, obviously that's something we're going to have a lot of time to talk about as this goes along. But, like you said, I mean, it's, it's again, going back to how Darlene changes, changes the offseason. I mean, Botchel is going to overhaul it anyways. 
But, uh, you know, maybe he was just going to plan on overhauling the bottom six this year and hoping to try and figure that out. But now, go find yourself a a top winger for Jack and do what you're going to do at the bottom six. And, I mean, playoff contention shouldn't be out of the question. No. I mean, you got to find a goaltender, too. That's another thing. Yeah, true. Who knows what what we're going to do there because <laughs> – We'll save that conversation for a different night because that, that's a that's, long one, I feel like. <laughs> it, yeah, it always is. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's just – there's a lot. There's a lot that we can – a lot of ways that this can go. And I think the most interesting and I think the biggest domino that's going to fall is what D-man goes and for what. Right. And then it kind of – do you think that happens before or after the draft? After. I know it depends if you use Ristolainen. Do you use Ristolainen on the floor or draft day to help you get a pick somewhere? That was the only way I could see it happening before. Is it happens on draft day and you're moving Ristolainen to get a pick somewhere. I guess McCabe could get you a later round pick, but like a, maybe like a third or fourth. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, maybe if you get some sort of big trade package with Ristolainen involved, that could involve a first round pick. Let's stay with Edmonton. Um or a team like that. So that's the only way I really could see it happening before, but maybe shortly after the draft, just before free agency or on even free agency day, maybe somebody who misses out on Carlson and DeHaan, you know, comes knocking on your door to trade for a defenseman. That's another thing too. By DeHaan, DeHaan would be nice for the system as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not saying that, you know, he, he'll go get him, but <laughs> it's definitely a guy that we had targeted prior to winning the lottery and that yeah. doesn't necessarily have to change but that means now you got to move at least two guys yeah so so and that's the other thing too real quick not to cut no, you off ahead, but getting a guy like Darlene and maybe it takes a year for him to you know come to the nhl and prove that he can do it at the nhl level which i don't think he'll have a problem doing right um other guys that are you know i mean obviously they don't have control of trades but free agents start to take notice of that and you might get guys whether they be top or bottom six forwards that, you know, maybe had no no consideration for Buffalo. But now you got Eichel, Reinhardt, Middlestad, Darlene, and Buffalo's not looking too bad. No, I agree. So let me talk about Eichel. So, I mean, now you have, you know, and then you throw Middlestad, and like you said, into the picture, I mean, you have three studs here. So, I mean, that could definitely attract some some people in the league. That's for sure. And definitely shouldn't be overlooked, you know, what they can do in free agency or even convincing a player to waive a no-trade clause to come here. So, Team Sweden on the back end, Team USA in the front. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. I mean, there's like six or seven guys from Sweden now. When you count them all in, it's I don't know. You know, it's we, we had an article about it on Die by the Blade this this week, and it, it's kind of funny. So I guess we all thought Bottero liked his college kids, but uh, maybe he just likes his Swedes. That's kind of how. It <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I'm not even talking about uh, Asplund. That should be no. That that contract should be coming soon here too. So, I mean, I, I think he goes right to Rochester, but. Again, I would agree. Another guy in the mix, right? Which is not a thing. He drafted a few. I think he drafted one or two Swedes last year too. So I mean, he'll. I agree with you. He'll go to Rochester, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have a shot at camp. Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, if he has a great camp, then by all means, you know, he played against men. He played against men in the Swedish league. I, I just think he might take some time getting used to North American ice, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like he was playing against kids over there. So mm-hmm. where I was gonna go is we have about 10 minutes left here. Uh, something else big happened besides Darlene and besides Nelson. Uh, the Sabres and Bills uh, team president resigned, Russ Brandon. Uh, Kim Bagula is coming over, not coming over, but she's taking over as the new president of both teams. 
And there's been some banting about on Twitter from a certain Buffalo News reporter that that's a bad move by the Sabres uh, to put Kim to go in that position and not hire a, I don't know, what do you say, a quote-unquote hockey guy to run, be the president, and quickly I'll give my take on it. Um, then you can kind of give your side of it. We can kind of talk about maybe what Kim Pagula can kind of bring here. Um, but for me, you know, I've been talking about it on Twitter. It's I don't have a problem with it as long as she's not talking to Jason Batterell about trades or who, she's, who he's signing or who shouldn't signing. As long as she's on the business, he's on the hockey ops, I'm cool with it. You know, it's it, – it, I don't need another hockey guy here. And, you know, I kind of talked about it on Twitter. I mean, there's six teams really that do it now. One or two of them have been successful with it. I, I just don't need it. One of the eight playoff teams have a president who's a former player with Cam Neely in Boston. So I, I don't think it has to be that way. And, you know, I I, I kind of get where Harrington's going with it and – I don't think at all he's being sexist or anything that some people are accusing him of. I, I think if Terry Pagula was a new president, he would say the same thing. So I don't want to say that, that just because Kim's a woman, he's saying these things. I just I don't think it's the case at all. But I just think his whole argument is off base and wrong. I mean, you don't need another hockey mind in here. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen. It, it just doesn't work. You know, this is Jason Botterill's side. You know, he's the hockey guy here. They don't need to bring somebody else in to throw in their opinions on it. Just let it roll. Have your hockey guy, have your business guy, uh, or woman in this case, and roll with it and see how it goes. You know, that's that's my side of it. Um, you can feel different, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what you think about it all. No, I think you're pretty much out of the park. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I think the the funniest thing that I've seen is uh, how important is your position when no one replaces you when you leave? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the owner just says, I got it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, my wife will take it. So yeah, the owner. So I mean, it's I I I struggle because I think that good things can come of this. I think that the in-game experience has been pretty terrible for quite a long time. Yep. So I think there's things that can be done to improve that. Um, I hesitate for that for me to say that that is going to happen because I mean, ever since the the Pagulas have taken over the team, it's been very advertised market they've sold driven. every minute every minute of the game every minute that there's not hockey playing they have sold it and that's kind of why it's become terrible so kim taking that over i don't necessarily know that it's going to get better um i would honestly unfortunately expect it to say pretty much the same uh for in-game experience i i mean yeah look at we've got what gold banners hanging for blue cross blue shield yeah get out of here. right yeah so I, I mean i would love it i would i miss the days of you know five minutes of just blooper reels going in between intermissions and yeah uh i mean you can hear the whole arena laughing or i mean i always love the you know the kids coming out and playing or the 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 balls uh the guys in the the inflatable balls are pretty funny because they knock each other around yeah that's pretty good they brought that this year that's good so so like there, there are some things i like but there's definitely a lot that can be done i know i mean especially with how last season went i found myself you know, sitting in my seat for half of the first period and then finding myself in the Lexus club and then at the blue light zone and yeah. not really watching the game at all. So, I mean, if, if they can find things to make it better, I know before this, you were talking about how just watching the teams in the playoffs, how it's just like a league of its own. Yeah. As it, when you think about how the Sabres um, do their like pregame ceremonies and stuff. So I, 
there's a lot of room for improvement, but I guess I would hesitate at this point to say things are going to change or things are going to get better without, you know, seeing any of that uh, happening. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the game presentation is kind of the whole thing for me, you know. Maybe we've seen what Vegas has done in the playoffs. Um, Recently, we've seen what San Jose has done before games. I mean, San Jose is always one of the best best game presentation places in the league, but, I mean, the Sabres aren't terrible at it, but when you look at teams like what Vegas does and what San Jose does, I mean, it it makes the Sabres look kind of like an amateur team. You know, it... There's, I, I think there's so much more they can do, you know, and there's so much more to get your fan base into it. And, you know, maybe the team was better, you would have that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I mean it's uh, – for me, the arena needs upgrades. I get that. Uh, I'm sure that day is coming. But I think next season what they should focus on the most is the presentation. You know, it's – <laughs> they got really lucky getting Deline because there's a lot of people I think right. give up their tickets – and they got super lucky winning that lottery. So I think there's a lot of now there's a lot of people who are going to keep them because they have Darlene. And you, you right. gotta, we got to reward them. You, you, you got to. And like you said, you know, you might not see every minute of the game day presentation go away from being sold, but you got to do something. I mean, you can't have games between periods for fans to win prizes and they lose and you take the prizes away. I mean, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So, I mean, I don't know. Brandon's gone. Um, didn't go well out the door, apparently. You know, there's some rumors uh-huh. of some, you know, things with employees there and some other stuff people lied about. So it wasn't a pretty exit. Um, but, you know, I'm not at all against it. You know, I, I think it's good. Uh, I think it's right now is a good time for a change for the organization. And, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes from here. So, you know, to, to wrap my side of it up, I'm not against it. We'll see what she does, what she changes, and then we'll kind of, you know, go from there. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of two things I want to bring up. And the first part is, it's not like they haven't been in the background while Russ Brandon was here. Right. So, I mean, if there was things that she or they wanted to change, they could have done it already. It's not like they're not the owners of the team. Exactly. So, so like I said, that moving into that role or her moving into that role, I don't necessarily know that that's going to change things. And number two, the thing that kind of blows my mind, and this doesn't go for just the Sabres, but I mean, a lot of major four sports leagues in general is obviously there's things that you don't want to listen to the fans or at least you don't need to listen to the fans uh that being you know draft picks or um i don't know personnel moves stuff like that like obviously that you don't have to listen to the fans but the thing that blows my mind is when like most of the fans are clamoring for something i.e royal blue jerseys (laughs) Why would you not do that if you're just going to sell a ton of jerseys? Yeah. You know, like things like that. I don't understand why they go against the grain, um, against the fans to, to kind of their wishes or even just asking like, Hey, <laughs> what merchandise do you guys want? Or what color would you like the blue, the jerseys to be? Because <clears throat> obviously it shouldn't really matter to me. And if you guys are going to buy it all, what the hell do I care? Exactly. Yeah, so, unless unless there's some sort of agreement with the jerseys, I'm 100 percent with you there. Like, don't like they can't switch it for the next like three years. But that I think is true. I think yeah, when you change it, Reebok has a thing where yeah. you can't for three years. But I mean, I, I just don't understand why you don't use the the marketing intel or the analytics of what the fans want and give them what they want because I mean, you're just going to make more money in the long run, especially when it comes to stuff like jersey sales or other types of merchandise or giveaways or anything like that. Um, 
if they're really start struggling for what they want to do, I mean, reach out. You've got season ticket holders. It can't be that hard to throw a survey out there and say, hey, what the heck do you guys want? Uh, and then give it to them. And then you're going to be seen as heroes. It's, I, I think that's the, the one thing that I don't think has to be hard, that everybody in you know big four sports kind of makes it harder than it needs to be. No, I mean, I'm 100% with you there. I, I think you kind of... You kind of put us on a good note to end there with your jersey rant. You know, that's you know those those winter classic jerseys are beautiful. So let's let's kind of see more of those in those games, right? Dalene in a classic jersey. I'd be all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a minute left here, so I'll kind of get out with our usual kind of spiel. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at BTP Hockey. Uh, interact with us, chat with us, uh, check us out on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Stretcher or Stretcher. Uh, all those places into a podcast and thanks for listening uh thanks for you know we're gonna probably be back here a lot more um uh-huh. a lot more to talk about Austin's coming Ooh, i gotta had a sneezer that went away sorry about that um so we have a lot to talk about here we'll be back a lot here as we wrap up and get into the off season with a really good hockey player on our team now another really good hockey player so Enjoy it, Sabres fans, but we have plenty to talk about, plenty to dive through. So we will talk to you very soon. For Chad and Bill, we are out of here. See you later. Leafs fans are getting nervous. Shields! Strong!